Well, welcome back to Musings of an Extrovert. My name is Darvin Muentes. I am your host and your resident extrovert. And today I actually don't have an extrovert with me. Uh, I have an introvert. Would, would you say you're an introvert, Scott? Um, Probably, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I gathered that. Uh, so for those who don't know this, uh, my guest today is Scott Keen. He is a co-worker of mine uh and he is much more than that and we're gonna get into some of those things today um but first scott can you give us your first and last name and where you were born um my first name is scott my last name is keen and i was born in watertown new york watertown new york for those of us who don't know our New York that well. Tell us where where in relation to some bigger cities in New York is Watertown. So we're quite a few hours north of the city. Um, we're in um, what they call northern New York. We're about 30, 30 minutes away from Canada and about an hour and so 10 minutes north of Syracuse. Gotcha. Um, so uh, at, it has to be really cold up there I would imagine very cold um so we can you know we've hit negative 20s 30s in the winter um typically it doesn't get that cold but the you know the wind chill i mean even hit i guess negative 40 so we'll get the arctic air from canada um but growing up i love snow so it's cold that cold you, you can't really go outside but yeah no i'm not going outside if it's that cold i'm staying inside right next to a fire yeah. that sounds atrocious I lived in Pennsylvania. You and I talked about this a little bit. I lived in Pennsylvania for most of my life, and it's pretty cold up there uh, during the winter time. During the summertime, especially in central PA, it can get so muggy and hot. Um, but yeah, I'd rather have the hot weather of Virginia Beach uh, for most of the year than any cold weather at all. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how you lived in cold weather new york uh, you lived there for a long time didn't you yeah i so i grew i was born there raised grew up there um and then you know i went to school in tennessee my undergrad was tennessee and i came to um regent at um for graduate school and that's where i met my wife and we lived here but then we moved back to new york in 2008 so then i spent the, another 14 years or so 13 and a half and so, yeah, so pretty much, you know, most of three quarters of my life, uh, I've been in New York. Spent in the cold. Yep. That's wild. I'm glad you're down here in the warmth of Virginia Beach now. You actually work here at Regent with me, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. It's been cool. We've actually been working on regent university's podcast that's a little plug for regent uh our how to actually change the world podcast you've been helping produce it helping to make sure all the pieces are in place and i thank you for that because i would not be able to do that all alone um you know so that's been that's been awesome uh i also know that you have a family uh and uh, tell us a little bit about your family so I have a wife um, named Elizabeth. We've been married for this past July was um, 19, 19 years. Um, and I have five five daughters ranging from 17 to two. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's so a range. It's a house full of, of girls. Um, love them dearly. 
um, wouldn't trade him for anything, um, but can get can get emotional at times. Yeah, um, I can imagine. So. I mean, <laughs> comes just, with the territory. Yeah, just yeah. me and my male cat were the only two two <laughs> males in the house. The two males in the house. That's funny. Um, so uh, you grew up in New York, lived most of your life in the cold. Um, and then you, you said you came here to Regent for school. Yeah. Um, what, what did you get here at Regent? So I came here in 2002 and I actually came here to get my law degree. Um, wow. so I, I was accepted into the law school. Um, this is something I did not know, Scott. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you got into the law school. That's awesome. Got into the law school. It was actually, so I got into Syracuse and I got into Regent and debated about what I wanted to do. I mean, thank the Lord I, I came to Regent because, you know, within, frankly, the first weekend I was here, I met my wife, who would have been my future, you know, was going to be my future wife. But so I spent a semester here at the, in the law school, though, and during the orientation, I realized this isn't for me. Hmm. This is not for me. Um, my undergrad was communication. I, I, you know, I was in a band. I loved writing. I loved writing music. I just, I felt like I wanted to do something more creative. And so, um, I met with the deans of of the law school and the comm school. Wait, talk- time out. You just said that you were in a band. Yes. What? I did not know this either. This is big news. Okay, we'll get, we'll get back to the band in a second. So you were you were talking to the law school deans. And yeah, and just just discuss it with them, and then I applied or transferred and to get over into the comm school. They accepted it, and that's when I I got into the MFA program of script and screenwriting. Wow! And so that's graduated, you know, two thousand six. So I spent the next you know th- three and a half years or something studying that. That's wild. Okay, so. Tell me a little bit about how it went from law to script and screenwriting. Why? What was the what was the like stuff that went on that said, hmm, maybe I go from you know potentially a life of being in a suit, going to court all the time, to a life of writing extensively. Though both of them write a lot, uh, but writing extensively in a creative facet, not in a logically you know motivated facet. What what where did that where did that happen so like i've i've always had an interest in in i mean dreaming as a boy you know you want to do something big you want to change things you want to and so at one time it was like i want to you know become a lawyer and and maybe go into politics and change things that way but as i kind of even started thinking about it and and even praying about it it that is always downstream of culture to me politics law all that it always starts culture starts up with a lot of like the entertainment and Mm -hmm. things like that and so i'm like one i love just being creating things um stories and and music and things like that and so that's really where my my love was um and so i just i had done some writing you know, in undergrad and things like that. But um, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to tell stories and it may sound, you know, just kind of stupid, but that's, um, that's what I wanted to do. Hmm. That's awesome. 
You know, I I think that I don't think it sounds stupid. One, uh, but two, I like. I think that there's a lot of people who who go to their school, who go to whatever it is that they're going to do, um, that they're very focused. They're very like, you know, I'm this, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden the tables just turn, you know, and it kind of sounds like the tables turned a little bit for you. Cause I mean, going to law school, most law students I, that I know of have gone to law school because they knew they wanted to be a lawyer, you know? And I think I know one other person uh, one other person who went to law school not knowing if she even wanted to go to law school. Um, but, like, other than that, no one that wasn't like, yeah, I want to be a lawyer. I want to go into law. I want to go into real estate law, into business law, into, you know, uh, court law, and, you know, be out in front of a court all the time. Um, so I imagine that was a table turned for you. Yeah, and I think a lot of it stemmed from I don't know if I really even knew knew what I wanted and I thought I wanted this, I thought I wanted that. And I do remember, um, which it did give me some encouragement, that when I did change, I did have some, um, I guess, friends who stayed in law. Um, I remember one girl actually said, I wish I had the courage to do that. Hmm. So there are a lot of people out there that are in, you know, they've made that step thinking this is what they wanted, and then they find out it's not really what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe down the road they change their mind because school is tough, so that does make you second-guess things. Yeah. But um, it, it just it was right for for me, and, um, you know, it's I'm, I don't know how many years I graduated, 16 years out of from that, so it's, you know, it's taken me on a different road than... Yeah. Well, praise God it did because it brought you here for yeah. your job here, um, and I'm sure that helped you do all of this i mean and for those of you guys who can't see i don't have video on this podcast today but um the this that i'm referring to is a stack of four books that are in front of me that scott has written himself and when i say it's a stack i say like this thing i have to hold it with both hands and i can i can't wrap my hands around them you know fully that's how big these books are uh and that's funny coming from me i'm not i'm not an avid reader i don't like reading i like listening um and so i ingest information through an auditory fashion and so give me you know plato's republic in an ebook and i'll listen to it all day uh put it in front of me to try to read it probably not gonna do it um but these are like for me these are big books to read for most avid readers these are kind of their weekend read uh, which I imagine you're probably one of those people that can do this in a weekend. I'm I'm not as I'm a slower reader. I'll say that. Not that I can't read, but I kind of have a tendency to reread things to make sure I I you, comprehend yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And I, I do that too. When I when I do read, uh, I'm rereading over and over again. Um, but these three books, I'm going to read the name. So if you uh, want to go purchase them. Uh, because you want to get to know Scott's brain a little bit. Uh, this is, one is called The Society of the Watchers. And then there's a series, a series of three. He wrote a series, guys. This is wild. A series of three called Scar of the Downers is one. Two is Rise of the Branded. And three, War of the Downer King. Um, Scott, tell, tell us a little bit about these books. What, uh, what inspired them 
tell us what they are? I mean, the Society of the Watchers and your series of three books. All right, so Scar of the Downers actually started when I was still in graduate school. Um, I was doing homework, and I remember staring out the window. You know, it was kind of my brain felt overworked, and it was it was pouring out. And I was living in Regent Village, and I remember just having this image of a of a, a kid. He was an orphan, and he was brought in by a a um, just a man who 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 felt bad for him and he was watching and I don't even know why this how this story evolved into this one but this is where it first started and um, he saw this kid he was playing in the mud and um, he wanted to you know basically be his father and so the story is Scar of the Downers is a story a story about a bunch of um, they're slaves they're slaves and it's about them seeking their freedom and and it leads to you know, a greater war. Now, this is a fantasy book, so it's a fantasy world. Um, mm. So it doesn't take place in in um, you know in the world that we we know. Gotcha. Um, and so that's how that series developed, and um, it was first published in 2015. Um, and I will say that there is um, an audible book of the first book oh, yeah? that is out there. Um, that was recorded and that you can buy, you know, through Amazon on Audible. Um, and so, but the other two, so I republished them. Um, so these are like the second editions. And um, then the fourth book, uh, The Society of the Watchers, um, this is basically kind of like a future, futuristic book with no, no technology. So it's kind of like, so one time I was watching this um, documentary it was about Rome, mm-hmm. and it was about how when Rome fell and you had the Dark Ages, that all this technology was lost and that they didn't even know. So it's almost like humanity kind of regressed in their technology. Yeah. And so that kind of interested me. And so that whole, this series is about how um, these beasts came in our time, the current, current timeline, and then our world fell. And so to survive these humans in our our world built walls and they had these little villages and so Hmm. this is like 150 years later they don't have electricity or anything like that they they live um like they used to before electricity and the difference between this kind of like post-apocalyptic world and the other ones that have been published out there is these people are happy because they don't know any better so it's Mm -hmm. kind of it is it's they this one's kind of a middle grade book but it's like you know, it's a village that people would want to live in. It's mm. a, it's a, and so there's this danger that's lurking beyond the walls and in that kind of thing, and it's gotcha. a mystery. Yeah. Um, and so it's based on the village itself is based on my kind of home village I lived near. It's called Black River, and so that's, that's that story. That's awesome. So, um, how do you think it would be if all of a sudden, you know, we did regress? I mean, like that would take. That would take generations of people for all of the knowledge of how to gather electricity, how to harness it, um, for all of that to be destroyed and go away. Um, It would take something incredibly apocalyptic, to use the words that you used, um, and or it would just take a very long time. Um, You know, so how, what is in your like short synopsis since I haven't been able to read this book 
what what is that what is that world like what does it look like is does it look like the, before we had technology or does it look like a ruined area of that that's been you know technologified um yeah i, I think it i think it looks i mean it, in some sense it looks better i think I, I i do think and again i'm not a i'm not against technology i'm using technology every day we it makes our world um in some sense easier but there is an element too where i think there's a disconnect when we we deal with technology and yeah. disconnect with humans um, I think social media can do that where it gives a false sense of connection. But here, as I was writing it, you can't, I had to do some other research. So even in terms of sending, for instance, in the, in the book sending, um, so it's kind of like there are seven villages. They're all kind of like sister villages of, with each other. And, um, but to, to contact people, they have to do pigeon posts and things like that. So hmm. you start learning. I'm like, I have to do research yep. on this stuff. Um, they also are trying to kind of, like in the library, they, they're trying to gather um, all these, you know, the books bound, as they call it, bound the old way. Hmm. Because now everything is you have to make paper. And then I have to look and you have to make, they have lights, but how do you get lights? Then you have to realize that they get the oil from fish yep. and so what kind of fish so it's researching that it does it did give me a sense of being like this does seem like a quaint village where it does kind of strip away a lot of the noise i guess you could say yeah um which it there is a niceness to that and there's i'm not but there's a niceness also to being able to turn on a light switch and have a light yeah so yeah that's cool that's interesting uh, how how did that one get inspired again um just by watching a documentary and then and then and also there was i was watching something too and you saw these you know these kids in these un, un um you'd say i don't know underdeveloped countries and they were playing with a ball that wasn't like one of our soccer balls but they're playing soccer and they looked so mm -hmm. happy yep and it and I've read so many dystopian novels where everybody is drab and in in depressed as they're going about their life, and I'm like, but why would they? Because you have you can find happiness, and so I wanted to kind of I look at that as like a it's almost like a cozy mystery in a dystopian or I guess a post apocalyptic world, not dystopian, but post apocalyptic world. Yeah, you can still find happiness, and they would because this is all they've known. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thought. Um, thinking about, you know, <clears throat> go with me on my fantasy trail here for a second. So if, and then we're going to get back to that band thing. I haven't forgotten that. Uh, <laughs> so imagine our government just collapses. You know, the world becomes, in a sense, anarchical. Um, and it, everything is, anything goes at this point. Things in that certain time likely won't be very happy for most people. Most people will be more frightened, uh, angry probably mm -hmm. is, is the feeling they're going to have. Um, they're going to feel um, concerned and unsteady, you mm -hmm. know, unstable, because everything is unstable around them. Exactly. Um, but far off in the boonies where 
the government barely touched them in the first place, and now it's no longer even touching them. The people that are out there, those who are going to seek to try to find order are going to band together to find that order. And in that order, they're going to have a little bit of space to find happiness. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, all of the the world may be crashing and burning all around them, but in the mountains, in you know this far off place where there's a group of people, if there are people there seeking order, now that can that order can be disrupted as it can in any single time, any day. I was just driving down the road, and there were you know thirty cars stopped on the side of the road because either they were overheating or something. That was an interruption to the order of their day. Mm-hmm. And that caused them a little bit of unsettledness, unhappiness, um, not to the extent that anarchy would do to our, our country and to our world. Um, but that is, in a sense, what you are portraying in your book, and from what I'm gathering, is that, hey, it's a different kind of order that's happening. Maybe the order isn't the same as what was once known by a generation of people, but a different kind of order is happening and that's allowing these people to have happiness within there because they're not concerned. They're not angry. They're not, you know, fearful that someone's going to come and raid their village, though sometimes that might happen. That doesn't mean that they can't have happiness in the midst of all of that time. Yeah, and it's it's and this is like it, so in their world, the transition um was called um the dark days when when as one one of their founders called in, the, in my backstory it was called um, um, when the world went dark so when all the power kind of shut off so the, that, that was the term that was so much turmoil but it was like now that's 150 years later you're like you grow up and you're you're not really thinking about and I'm thinking about even as a kid you don't really think about the world beyond mm-hmm. you're like well, I mean kids are in some sense and I think it protects them but they are a little narcissistic where it's just their immediate world yep and so that's really and that's what we focus on or the story focuses on is the main character's name is jarvis gray and it's really his world and through his eyes this whole kind of story takes place yeah um and so it it is it is a nice um you know has enough danger in there but it's not like um Oh, I'm depressed reading yeah. it, which I don't. I don't like. I wanna. I do wanna. I wanna watch movies and read books that have turmoil, but I don't want to be hopeless. Yeah. I don't. I don't like that. That feeling. I mean, some people want to read to escape, and so I want to give them, you know, say what I. Not that I don't really have messages. I guess everybody does, but basically tell a good story. Yeah. That's my my goal. Yeah. Well, I love that. Um, where can people find your books? Um, they can buy them Amazon, Barnes and Noble website, um, basically any any place that's kind of sells books. They should be able to order order them. Gotcha. Um, so you have them in Barnes and Noble. That's that's yeah, super they're, cool. They're not in the actual physical store, um, mm-hmm. but they are on the website. I think you can get them Walmart. You know, indie. I think it's indie bound. I mean, wherever books are, if you buy books online, you should be able to find them in. That's awesome. Mostly everywhere. So uh, just so everyone knows, that was the Society of the Watchers. This is the kind of post-apocalyptic book uh, that is showing a happy story uh, and a story that is full of what would be somewhat 
suspenseful of a time shown through a happier lens. Is that fair? Yeah. And then uh, Scar of the Downers, Rise of the Branded, War of the Downer King. That's a series that was book one, two, and three. Uh, so you can go find those online anywhere you can get your books. Um, so let's go right back to this. I'm going to bring it back up. A band. You were in a band? I didn't know this. Or did I know this? Um, I don't I don't. I, I don't really tell too many people. Okay, well, I'm I'm very honored. Please tell me more about this band that you were in. What kind of music did you guys play? Um, we played rock. I, I liked rock music, um, and usually it was songs that I wrote. So I spent a lot of time um, writing that. Um, I started in high school. I actually um, started trumpet in fourth grade. And um, wow. I didn't know you were a musician at all. So um, maybe, do you play guitar? I do play guitar. And I'm not really that good. I spend most of my time thinking of melodies and lyrics. Gotcha. Um, And I was good enough to just kind of play the rhythm. I usually musically depended on my, the lead guitarist or the Mm -hmm. drummer. Um, But I play, I went to um, Lee University in Tennessee, Mm -hmm. um, which is very, um, musically inclined yeah they have a great music department yeah i just found out that jordan smith uh huge singer won the voice um really great christian singer he apparently went to lee he's a lee alumni yeah and if you were if you remember creed from the 90s mm-hmm. the lead yep. singer he went to um wow i think it was kicked out though <laughs> if you watch i remember behind the music at vh1 when i don't know if you remember watching that but vh1 had this thing where they were like behind the music and they would do these stories about musicians behind the music and um they mentioned lee at the time and so um huh. which That's you probably could find it somewhere um i know that oh what's her name um she is yeah i don't remember her name at this point lily cotrell travis cotrell's daughter She's a really great singer. She's part of, um, I think she's part of Voices of Lee at this point. Uh, but she does a lot of music videos and stuff with her father. Her father's a like big writer. I think he's with um, Beth Morris Church. Hmm. Um, and yeah, like they're also, she went to Lee. Um, so yeah, lots of music is coming out of Lee, which is cool. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, and we're so one day they had they would have these things called Lee Days, which is where they try they attract all these um, high schoolers, and um, then they ask for you know do you have a band or something like that, and so I was like hey we have a band so we played we played for like those kind of things. My hi- the highlight though was um, that U.S. so U.S. News and World Report came and they did a thing on how do Christian schools. Um, attract college or high school students mm-hmm. and so I was sitting in the lunch um, one day after we played or whatever it was like the next week or a couple weeks maybe even yeah a couple weeks because the article wasn't out but then another band member who not my band but was in another band that played came over and gave me the showed me the article sure enough that the US News World Report was right and they mentioned couple of the band names so one was my band and the other was um so i sell the thing i'm like that's that's as close i was at least my band was feet named in the national magazine (laughs) but that's about as as close um as i got to my you know fame moment of fame i love it um 
So you write books. You were apparently in a band. He's a very creative person, everyone. He is very creative. Uh, you help do commercials for the university. You help do all the the like scheduling and production. Um, and you are skilled with a camera. Um, I know you're also doing something else that I would never have thought of, but now that you, you and I talked about it a little bit, it makes sense that it's a thing. Um, tell us a little bit about like uh, book design mm. and like placement of you know the different pieces of a book um, because it makes sense that it, it has to be done um, and but most people wouldn't think that that's that's a skill that's an art that people have to try to do yeah and I, I, I will say I learned by mistakes by making mistakes so um, last year I decided to publish my first book by myself um, and mainly it was just to have con- um, creative control yep um, I didn't assign the way the rights to um, in the pu- getting published it is and it's an understandable but it's an it's a long process it can take one to two years once you've signed the contract through all that yep. um, but so I put together you know I got I made that I did the design I I did it through kind of quickly through Amazon's help but I made so many mistakes and I, I have a bunch of books that that just minor things for instance if you look at the book they're in if you see the pages they're in cream color it's not white my first mistake was I published my book in white paper hmm. now if you look at white in white paper for novels and then see that you're like Oh, it, it it doesn't look it doesn't look good because white hmm. paper I guess is more for I don't know if it's like nonfiction books. Interesting. Yeah, things like I didn't really know, um, and then I started learning um, in design, Adobe InDesign, and mm-hmm. because there was only so many even fonts and things like that. There was only so many um, fonts you could use. So I through the through Amazon thing. So I started learning K. Um, Adobe and design and I mean I've spent hours at home hours and just designing the books and f- trying to figure the right size of the cover it is um sometimes it, it's enough to pull your hair out hmm. but um but all the books you know right now that I'm selling I've designed each cover um and um it just takes it ta- it takes time and I I like doing it and I like telling people um, about it, but I I will say that you know this wasn't because I'm I know so much. I have learned through just making mistakes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a lot of how most learning is done. You know, I mean in school, you're going to go into the classroom and they're going to teach you the method, and then you have to regurgitate the method applied to whatever the situation is in front of you. And the reason that you do your homework and the reason that you have assignments is so you can make the mistakes. And when you make those mistakes, you learn what mistakes not to make the next time you're using that method. And that's the same thing with life and all the stuff that we're doing. So uh, what would you say is probably your biggest mistake in uh, designing books? Um, My biggest mistake was probably, besides the white paper, that was 
that was it, it just visually looked it didn't look good and it didn't it looked like but i would say other than that is margins hmm. things you didn't even know you had to think about until you actually did it and then i got i we so what i would do is i would i would formulate the book like you know um put it in its format and then I'd upload it. Everything would look good. On and then I would have to order the book. You know, get a proof copy. Mm-hmm. When we, you know, and then you open up, you're like, oh, so many mistakes. Like it's so. Um, the margins, it, the words practically went to the very top. They went to the side, and you're like, this doesn't look good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How how does how does a margin like that happen? Where they're all the way out to the sides, or all the way up to the top. Well, because I mistakenly, they're like for using Amazon, they're like, you know, you have to have at least 0. 0.25, 0. 0.250 margin. I was like, okay, so I'll put my margins 0.25, not realizing that's the that's the minimum, like minimum or maximum. I don't realize, I'm not, that's the, the least you want. You actually yeah. want to go in further. They're like, you can't go that. So I, I was like, oh, so I had to kind of do all this research and, and do all this stuff of, um, and then you just have to visually look at it and say, is yeah. this good? So what is the margin of these books? Here. So the margin to that book, so the top, um, if I remember right, you have a gutter of 0.5 it's called, and the gutter is in between um, where the two pages meet. So oh, that's in between the gutter. where the two pages yeah. meet. So that's called a gutter. A gutter. So where um, the binding is. Yes. Gotcha. And so the, I believe that I could be wrong. Either it's the top and the bottom are 0. 0.75 mm-hmm. margin, and then the right and left are 0. 0.7. Gotcha. And then um, because I like to put the headers of the chapters on there. Yep. And um, so you know what chapter you're in and that kind of thing. And yep. So that's included because before i had it just i think it was 0.25 all around which did not leave it looked like a mess i still have that book and we kind of laugh about it now but it's (laughs) it's um it it was a steep learning curve yeah man so uh, what uh it i guess it was when you wanted to publish your own first book that you had to figure out how to do all the stuff that your publishers designers probably yeah. would have done previously i did it last year and i didn't even really because so i used a word a f- pre-made word document that amazon kind of gives you but these ones i used like i did it from the from scratch wow. which gives you so much more freedom hmm. if you know how to do it because you can use you know the fonts different fonts and you can design things you can um and it's it's a world of difference but it was a steep learning curve and so um i've thought about doing even like youtube videos knowing i know because even there are communities i'm on facebook that i know people have a hard time learning that but i've already had some background with photoshop and premiere and in that so i was familiar with the adobe suite yep stuff because i but um so it's it and I do like. It. I mean, you do get to look at the end. You you look at the book, and it's something tangible you've created, um, yeah. from beginning to end, from the story to the publish, publishing. And you know, it's there is a satisfaction you, you get yeah. out of that. That's awesome. Um, so, I'm gonna go right back to to your writing, uh, because you've written books and you also write songs. What is the title of one of your songs? 
one of the songs is um I'm trying to think of what it it's a f so um I did okay long story I'll well won't be that long but I did this <laughs> did this movie for a church it's called a fragile thing and um I wrote a song um originally it was called a fragile thing the song was I think I changed the name I mean I know this sounds bad this was I will say four years ago okay so um but I changed the name um to the song now I will say this so if you go to my YouTube channel, Scott Keen Books, mm -hmm. um, I did post a song. It wasn't recorded by me, but it was recorded, and we weren't in a studio, so the it, the sound is not a perfect sound. Gotcha. We had to do it. It was almost like a live setting. Well, hey, my sound's not perfect sound. I'm never doing it in a studio. <laughs> so we did that. So there, my song's there, and... Um, I don't want to sit here and I probably could think of the name of it. Um, I will say another song I wrote was called blind eye. Hmm. Um, I recorded that with a friend, um, in college and, um, he played with it. Um, you know, played some instruments on there and he ended up becoming, um, Taylor Swift's, um, producer for her, her first wow. album. Yeah. So that is um, cool. Yeah. I didn't, um, we, you know, we separated after college and, um, he was a very talented um, musician, and he re-recorded that. I still have the the actually the cover or the the song, and we recorded it in his apartment. Um, and so, but he, um, I think he even won a Grammy for her for her. Um, wow! First album. That's so cool. That yeah. that is so fun. Just knowing someone like that. I actually, um, my fiance Liana. Everyone loves Liana on the podcast. Um, and I love her too. I love her more than all of you guys do. Um, but the she had she used to live in a house with a family, and uh, the family's brother lived with them. Um, and he actually went to school with the guy who wrote uh, "Mary, Did You Know?" Hmm. Uh, and he's friends with him, and Marco Polo's him. And so they were Marco Poloing one day, and he shows me all their Marco Polos together, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know this guy. And the guy's name is slipping my mind right now, but he had a he had a band that he would go tour around and sing with, um, and yeah, they were just super cool. Um, Lowry. Oh um, yeah, yeah. What's the what's his it's, first name? It's not Mark. Is Mark Lowry? Mark, was yeah, it Mark? Mark Lowry. Um, and uh, yeah, like, he, but he just is Marco poloing him and you know chilling out and they go vacation together and like so so it's cool yeah. it's cool finding people that know some of these people that have gone on to do like super cool things yeah um, so a question for you as an aspiring podcaster world uh, video podcast world person I'm looking to get a camera here soon what is a tip and a tip that you have for other people, not just me, within that want to use cameras, that want to make videos? What is a tip that you would give them for a first timer, a beginner? Yeah. You know, my first camera was we had to use my a T6 Rebel camera Canon, and it wasn't made for that. So I don't have a lot of these in between cameras because we use that to make a movie and we just kind of. Now, the one thing I'll say this that.
things I've learned is the lens is the most important thing hmm. more than the camera. Gotcha. That the because the camera is kind of the body, and I, I think most people, I mean, the professionals. I'm not, I don't regard myself as a professional, hmm. but I th- from what I've read, it's the lens that's the most important thing. But we ended up buying a um, which I really love is um, which I don't know if it's good for podcasting, but is a Black Magic um, Pocket 4K cam- um, camera. So hmm. that's what I bought, and um, you know, made videos and things like that with. Um, my family and um, and I absolutely love love that camera. That's awesome. Um, but I would say you know depending on the look you want to get, because especially if you're doing versus podcast versus doing short films, you're gonna want a certain look for each one. Yeah. Um, but the lens is what I've learned. I mean, you need a good camera, but a lens is even more important. Gotcha. Than the camera. Good to know. I wouldn't have thought that. Well, I mean, I would have thought, yes, a lens is important, um, but I would have thought that the camera itself would be, you know, maybe just a little bit more important because it's the processor of whatever data is being brought in. But if your data is no, no good, then that will be very clear in the process after. So that makes sense. Um, so we're coming up on time. Um, Scott, for anyone who wants to self-publish out there, um, for anyone who wants to, it was an aspiring writer. Um, you know, I think that they, they're probably really inspired by the fact that you once thought you were going to go into law and then all of a sudden you moved off into a totally different direction and that opened up doors for you to be able to be creative more often. Um, share just a piece of advice for the person who wants to write who wants to self-publish what what mistakes did you make that you would warn them against doing um i would say the number one thing okay two things one read read books um to become a writer you would need to be a reader aside from that is don't give up don't um, like there's a huge tendency because you do when, especially when you're writing and if you're the very few people become instant bestsellers and very few people become bestsellers, but that's like, that's a perk if it happens, but it's not the reason why I write, yep. but I would say, don't give up. Um, you need to write every day and, or at least think about writing, like basically make notes, um, People will say write every day, but I know that's not always possible. Yeah. Um, but there are times where I've gotten really, um, I guess, depressed or um, defeated. Feel that feeling of, of, you know. But you know, I, I would also say this, and one of the biggest things in my life that have helped me is I married somebody who is supportive. Yeah. Um, my wife is is like my first reader, so everything I write, I give to her first. Yeah, and I'm like, what do you think of this? Like, tell me, you know. And she gives me feedback, and um, yep. and she's, you know, I'm like, I'm never gonna write again. I'm not gonna do this. And she's always been there and be like, you will. You're a great writer. You know, you're so if you don't have that I can and I know people don't I don't know how they they continue and it's not even just writing 
and yeah. anything that they love that doesn't produce a lot of money mm-hmm. right away, people are going to say, why are you doing that? Um, and it doesn't even matter if it's writing, singing, music, anything creative or anything that they love that, you know, you need that support. Yeah. So yeah. that's very important. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, find people who are supportive. Don't give up and read if you want to be a writer. I Definitely. love it. That's awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining me on Musings of an Extrovert. I love doing interviews, so and I've been talking to you for a while and being like, we should totally do an interview. It would be so fun. So I'm glad we finally got around to doing it. Thank you for joining me. Have a great rest of the night. And to everyone else out there, thank you so much for listening. Um, If you like Scott's books, go ahead, find them online. I'll repeat these names here for you again. One of his books, his post-apocalyptic book, was called The Society of the Watchers. And then you have his series, Scar of the Downer, Rise of the Branded, War of the Downer King. These were written by Scott Keen, who is my guest today. And I'm sure they're great books. He's really got a great mind. And so I'm sure these stories are awesome. So go find them anywhere. You can get your books online uh, and apparently on Audible too. So I may be picking that one up to read soon. Uh, Well, to read, to listen to soon. Um, So yeah, have a great day, everyone. And please join me on the next interview. Uh, We will be interviewing someone else on the next podcast. So Yeah, thanks.